How's it going, everybody? Steve here with the Wokeaholics uh, with, you know, with, with another episode, season two. Here we go. So this one doesn't have to be as long. Um, just a couple little thoughts here on a Sunday night um, based on a few things I've seen in social media with DeSantis dropping out and, you know, Haley's, Nikki Haley's little surge and just overall the usual discussions about Trump and his readiness and willingness and ability to perform um, should he be the nominee, which I think he will, and ultimately if he were to become elected president. And the many discussions and controversies surrounding that. Um, what I've seen now that the Democrats have finally settled in the fact that Trump is ultimately going to be the nominee, um, and it's pretty, I think it's pretty certain that it will be. Um, they've shifted a little bit back to the pre-2016 period where they got in like insult the Trump supporter mode, um, even before the deplorables comment that Hillary Clinton made. Um, and really just something that flowed and stemmed from the Obama years, the eight years of that, where um, Democrats convinced themselves that just by being Democrats simply, whether they were educated or not, whether they had a life experience or not, their association with the Democratic Party made them intelligent. Um, that's why you saw things kind of shift in the socio-cultural realm during those years where they could just make shit up randomly. And I'm not even just talking about the trans stuff, but I, I'm also I'm also referencing things about race and about history around race and other social justice related issues, um, other civil rights questions and 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 occurrences throughout history. They basically just made things up and if something was progressive or progressively tilted, leftward tilted, it was taken as being true. That wasn't helped by the upsurge in social media and celebrities who felt this need to get involved in everything that was political, um, you know, from mundane things to to questions about war and defense and and whatever. It, it was this on like this barrage of perspectives from the left during the Obama years that really turned this into a war of the mind, a war of emotion. And I'm not saying that right-wingers aren't susceptible or haven't locked into this. I mean, I, I agree, but the notion that Trump started this all is truly bullshit. And what I've been looking at um, over the past day or two scrolling on Twitter is that we're back to the whole like, you know, Trump's or Trump people are the, the deplorables that are uneducated and that are going to vote for this guy. And they usually run this like almost cookie cutter staged like <laughs> statement now where they say something to the effect of like the uh, the uh, the uh, convicted rapist, four time felon, 98 counts. Like it, they, they run through like this thing. Um, and they just repeat and repeat. And some of those are coming straight from the DNC to their talking heads, to the people who they actually pay to go on social media and push narratives. You see them with a few of these assholes, that Jersey bitch. Um, I forgot her name because she blocked me. Brooklyn dad, who's a just a cokehead loser um, and a shitty father. Um, Harry Sisson, um, his, his little friend, Chris, a couple others who are, are paid shills, more or less. Um, you know, but it's that message works. 
And that's why they pay people tens of thousands of dollars to, to post things on Twitter. It's because it gets down to the people who repeat it. And the circle jerk begins, right? Leftists just continue saying or repeating the same things to other leftists, and they validate each other in those messages. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about what they don't get, what they still don't get. And I know it's a really hard uphill climb for Trump, but they seem to have no concept or grasp of why he maintains support, why he ever had it in the first place. And frankly, I'm surprised it's not that obvious to them. You know, they want to have you think that it's all about like, this guy who stokes racism and fear and all this other shit. And that's just really pretty stupid. Most people, I would say a super majority, probably upwards of 99%, don't identify with or approve of or appreciate fringe groups that go marching around saying like, you know, you we will not be replaced and um, the January 6th rioters. I say rioters on purpose because that's what it was, a riot. Um, you know, most people don't connect themselves to these movements. And, you know, a leftist just can't see that. And so they'll wonder, like, what, what is it about these guys that has them voting for Trump? I mean, they, they know that they're not going to change minds. At best, they might get some people to stay home. But they keep it up and they keep the insults up. And what they don't recognize and why we, why Trump got so much support from us last time is that with just about every breath that Democrats took during the Obama years, they were straight up insulting. It was about insult and it was a fuck you. If you think that if that was the motivation behind the Trump movement in 2016, I should even say 2015, you know, when he first started running and uh, campaigning. If you think that hasn't intensified since 2016, you're absolutely crazy. Everything that Democrats did to set off the MAGA movement, quote unquote, and it wasn't just a MAGA movement. It's just a, a, a movement of normal fucking people. Everything they did, they amped up by 10 in the aftermath of the Biden president, the Biden win and, you know, January 6th, et cetera. Everything you did to turn people into Trump people, you are upping the ante on that tenfold. It's true. Trump has some trouble to, to, to contend with, to face. That being said, a lot of what you cite as being these factors that make him unelectable or even not even able to be on a ballot are things that insult us your positions on those insult us, and I'll go a couple over. I'll go over a couple of those now. First, I guess I'll start with the uh, the E. Jean Carroll case. Right, there is not one of us who doesn't see that E. Jean Carroll is a fucking nut job. She was a nut job from the beginning, and I think that Trump is such a talkative, rabble rousing guy. That if he had a fucking clue of who this woman was, he would have at least admitted as much. He would have said something to the effect of whatever their interaction was. While still defending himself against the accusation, what he would have 
not had the power to not say something about their interactions in person. The dude still maintains that he has no clue who the woman is. They might have met, but he's met millions of people. That's what celebrities do. That's what billionaires do, right? There might have been pictures of them together. Who knows? I mean, I haven't really seen that, so maybe there's no picture, but they might have rubbed shoulders at some point. And in that moment, it wasn't as an equal. Carol wasn't rubbing shoulders with him as an equal to Trump. She's a nobody. No one knows who she was. None, no one normal, I should say. None of us normal people had a damn clue of who she was. And the story is ridiculous. It has zero evidence. And we see that the case, which is a civil case, which found that Trump was liable for the sexual assault of, we're just laughing at it. It means nothing to us. Whatever ensues after the fact about defamation and stuff, every dollar that you charge this man and give to Eugene Carroll ups the support we have for him because we see it as bullying, like you're insulting everyone's intelligence to think that we don't see what created this situation, what enabled a bunch of communist losers in New York to, to take this case and find him guilty with nothing is nothing more than the word of somebody. It's a joke to us. It's never not going to be a joke. And if you want his support to not continue to go up, you should probably stop raising it. You should probably stop like celebrating these little stupid defamation suits and little add-ons they do. We know that he's going to lose those. We don't give a shit. It is a non-issue, a non-factor that makes us laugh, and we're laughing at you. The other one, the stuff about his business dealings in New York and his overvaluations of his property, this is another one. How stupid do you think we are? Does the New York Attorney General, New York City Attorney General, think we are? that we don't understand that the valuation of property, the assessment of property, is in no way indicative of the value of the totality of that property, house and acreage included. Do you guys not realize we could go to Zillow.com? Do you guys not realize that we could go to Redfin? We could look, and I did this out of curiosity because I really like architecture and I think it's neat. And I also kind of have one eye on Florida, like for the for the for way down the road in my life, right? So I look at properties. I look at what's hot. I look at what's big. I live in Loudoun County, the most affluent per capita um, county in the country, with excessively high like property values, too much so. I say that about my own. I'm interested in the real estate market, right? To think that Donald Trump's property is valued at $25 million in Florida, that the stuff in New York is what it's valued at, based on tax assessment alone, is truly insane. I would be surprised if Mar-a-Lago, and I'm just talking about Mar-a-Lago here, I don't have as much insight into other properties, but Mar-a-Lago, considering it's a place for residences, for meeting spaces, for golf course. I, I, I'm a member of Trump's club in DC. I'm on a, I'm on sabbatical-ish, whatever you want to call it now, leave of absence now. Haven't really played since I, I had kids. But um, it's a lot more than just a golf course. It's a lot more than just a restaurant. It's an experience. It's a lifestyle thing. There's events, there's parties, 
you know, there's a gym, they create like a, a culture there. And it's not always what you think. It's not as snooty and upturned as you think. It's like it's a social place. Either way, everything about that place has value beyond the property that it sits on. The course is one of the, the top courses, right? And it's in an absolutely prime location, that being Palm Beach. I would be shocked if the value of Mar-a-Lago wasn't upwards of 500, 600, 700 million dollars. That's only important because the case is hinging on this like $25 million valuation thing. And it makes us absolutely like die with laughter at how stupid that is. When you look at properties next to Mar-a-Lago that are going for 50 or $60 million that are like a 50th of the size, it just shows you that this is just really silly. And the thing is like the prosecution and just left discovering this, the media, there's like, don't even acknowledge this, you know, and we're just laughing alongside at how silly it is, at how targeted it is, right? If the question is that he got these bank loans based on those valuations, you don't just order a bank loan and like the bank has to give it to you. Like they have a team that is independent, has nothing to do with your business or the business, like Trump's business that are one approving of that valuation and either going down or up or whatever. And they're recouping the cost with interest of that agreement. It's one of those things where absolutely no one lost money or like no one got robbed on the deal. There was no victim. A transaction was agreed upon. In other words, the bank agreed to the value and they went forward. That's how loans work. <coughs> Excuse me. So the details aren't so important. It's really the fact that just the existence of the case, again, just, just like the, the Carroll case, the simple existence of the case insults us, right? Because you truly think we're just that dumb to not see through it. I've been saying the word insult a lot. It's not about having a thin skin. It's, it's not about like, you know, when you say like, stop being a snowflake. That's not the point. The point is that we can sense, and this comes from long before Trump and Biden and long before Hillary, we could sense the way you assholes fused your activism to things like education, to things like big business, and you shoved it down people's throats and you held your noses up like snooty little fucking assholes and people got fed up with it. I don't like to quote the guy because he's an asshole, but Michael Moore said that the 2016 election was the biggest fuck you in the history of the American, the United States. And he was right. And it goes deeper because we saw what happened during Trump's four years. We saw how Republicans that weren't so much on board with him or were kind of too, uh, too establishment based. We saw how they tried to screw him over too. We saw how they spoke out of both sides of their mouth. We saw how they adopted leftist positions that were nothing like positions they'd held in the past and aren't good positions. People like Mitt Romney, right? Um, and, and you know, people like Kinzinger in the aftermath of January 6th and whatnot, but that's not here nor there. Um, we watched, that's the thing. Your assumption on your side is that we don't watch. The reality is, is we've been watching quietly and we have been doing it for probably 10 or 15 years. You underestimated us in the 2016 election. I laughed so hard. We laughed so hard when that happened. And the funny thing is, even 
in the aftermath of that. And I was in DC for the first inauguration. I won't go into this one, whoever it is. Um, you're not going to catch me in DC, but, um, you know, there was still a sense in spite of like this relief that Obama was gone and like all the animosity around the election, there was this sense that Trump was the kind of guy and he said it himself a couple of times, but he was the guy who would actually be able to build some of those bridges between the, the ever so divided parties or the ever more divided parties, because he is the type of person that could make a deal with anybody. People talk about Joe Biden, like he's that person, but he's not. The notion that Biden or any of the Democrats are is bullshit, right? They're willing to make deals with the establishment Republicans who will turn around, bend over and say, fuck us. That's the type of people we're talking about. We don't respect them anymore or any, we were, let me say it this way. We respect them, those types of people, just as little as we respect Democrats. It's irreparable too, because in the last couple of years, Democrats have adopted these social positions that just we can't get to, like we can't come to the middle on, we can't see eye to eye, and it's not going to happen, right? We will push and push and push, no matter who wins the nomination, no matter who wins the presidency, but we'll continue pushing the things that Trump started. I, I admit, and I'm one of those people who, after, you know, I, I hated January 6th. I wasn't like one of those who was like, oh, this is great. I mean, I wasn't at all. Two things can be true. I could think that rioting and all that shit is bad, but I could also think that it's not as bad as media makes you believe, as Democrats want you to believe, like it's some second 9-11. It was a riot. It's funny that people found that riot so, like, as like found it as like the pinnacle of what could go wrong in the country because it not only did it just only delay things by a couple hours and was more or less an invitation from the police who let people in, um, but like we have, we've gotten pretty used to riots and Democrats used to cheer those other riots, which were like the BLM riots and the other race-based things. And they continue to, to, to encourage stuff like that. Like, so the fact that a riot occurred, yeah, it's unfortunate. I didn't like it. I thought, I also think there are things Trump could have done on the day of and in the aftermath to change the, like the narrative around it. But I also know that every media clip of that day and of his speech cuts off where he tells people to go in peace. When he said, fight like hell, the next sentence was him telling people to go peacefully to the Capitol and to protest peacefully. And that's almost, it's almost like that doesn't exist. Like it's just gone. Like it disappeared into the ether. And the fact that no one brings it up as part of their argument you know, because it's an important piece to, to everything from the legal side, from the political discussion side of things, from the debate side of things. The fact you don't bring it up at all, again, insults us. It insults our intelligence. You're so stuck on this idea that every single one of us is just trapped in some like Alabama meth house and like we don't have degrees, we don't understand like what evidence is. Yeah, we know Trump bullshits all the time, but we also see why he does it because it stirs you guys up and it gets you going and it just makes you adopt the dumbest crap that we can leverage in turn to influence public opinion. You fall for it every time. 
Now, when this all happened, I was on board with the notion that maybe it's time to like move away from the Trump Trump stuff. Not because I didn't like him, not because I didn't like what he did when he was president, but I did. I do understand that, like to the point of what he's like. If someone's arguing he's in a distraction to things, or if he's a liability, or if you know you could get someone that's kind of Trumpian in their ways without the baggage of all the January sixth shit and whatever the other impeachment stuff. I mean, I was down to consider someone like that. And guess what? Not a single one of those people emerged. DeSantis dropped out today. He might have been the closest one ever, but he proved to himself during the campaign to be pretty, like, weak. It was kind of surprising. It was disappointing. I don't really understand the beef between Trump and DeSantis. I don't particularly like it. I think Trump needs to make some friends in these situations. I am curious with the fact that he endorsed Trump today, that maybe maybe Trump's already extended that olive branch, because I got to say... If Trump nominates Nikki Haley um, or, you know, it it comes down to Nikki Haley as being the VP option, I'm not super confident. Um, Polling might say one thing, but it's just like the, you know, like DeSantis, Nikki Haley's boring too. There's nothing much to differentiate her from DeSantis, right? I thought DeSantis was a great governor in Florida, is a great governor in Florida, but the things they said on the campaign trail just weren't that great. They were just not really that inspiring. They kind of just left you feeling, hmm, meh. Right? But back to the point. The point here is that Democrats, leftists, liberals, progressives, whatever you call yourself, I just call you communists. Um, you're still not getting it. And... What I should be doing is just not mentioning it, not talking about it, not raising the, this this point because it gives you insight into what you're doing wrong. But I do think it deserves some discussion because you're still taking for granted just about half the country. You're still thinking that like 100 million people live in the boonies and don't do anything except... Know, drink bush light or whatever the hell they drink and like spread vaccine disinformation or some shit. I, I, I don't know. Either way, keep in mind that every, like Trump could be gone for, you know, long gone. Trump could be dead, right? We're still going to push this shit on you. It doesn't matter who Republicans nominate. It doesn't matter who wins. It doesn't matter who the establishment pushes into nomination wins and like gets people on the ballots to to represent a more centrist Republican Party. Centrist by your terms, not by mine. It makes no difference. You're in for this forever now. And it wouldn't be so abrasive. It wouldn't be so targeted. It wouldn't be so almost like hurtful from us if we didn't feel like we have been experiencing that from you guys for like 20 years. I say 20 now because I, now that I think about it, it was more like at the beginning of like the last Iraq war to Bush one, where it, it, things really started to devolve into this thing about like how Republicans were dumb, uneducated, stupid, inbred, whatever. Um, but yeah, so if you want to keep underestimating people, if you want to keep mischaracterizing them. Do so at your own peril. Personally, I hope you do it. But 
I mean, for the sake of keeping things in a situation where we have, you know, two parties and we have the ability to be divided on things and talk, in the spirit of that, I'm giving you this big hint about the way we see things. Maybe you'll take the advice. Maybe you won't. On one side of the coin, I hope you do. On the other side, I hope you don't because you're going to get Trump again. You're going to get somebody like Trump again, eventually, no matter what you do. It might not be next. It might not be, there might be another Democrat for us. We don't know, right? Things tend to swing back and forth, but you're going to keep getting Trumps long after Trump is gone and you deserve it. You deserve every minute of it. All the pain that you experience in these moments when Trump is doing this thing or when people are doing their thing, like acting like Trump, you invited it, you asked for it, and you're going to keep getting it. Mark my words. All right? We'll leave it at that. Just a little word of advice to my leftist friends out there, because believe it or not, I do have some of them. Um, I've spoken about them quite kindly here because I do care about them. That being said, you know, if you're going to talk shit about us all the time, some of us are going to talk back, and we're not all idiots that can't do that or can't defend ourselves. So get ready. Here it comes. <laughs>